Good morning. We're excited to be here to worship together. Our call to worship, that is a verse that we, we start every week with this idea of let's get our, our minds and our hearts right in this place um, to do one thing, and that is to worship our God. And today our call to worship comes from Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. It says this, Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains, the water, the earth. Let's pray. Dear God, you are real, you are true, and you are constant. You are our creator and our sustainer, God. And because of that, we are to come to you, to praise you, to lift you up, to, to put our distractions aside and focus our hearts and our minds on you, God. So we ask that we feel your presence with us this morning, that we're able to sing loud and joyfully, and we praise you, God, with all that we are. We want to give all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, if you are the only one worthy of it. Amen. If you're able, please stand with us. At your name The mountains shake and crumble At your name The oceans roar and tumble At your name Angels will bow the earth will rejoice, your people cry out. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name. Filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. At your name, the morning breaks in glory. At your name, creation sings your story. At your name, angels will bow, the earth will rejoice. Your people cry out, Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, O Lord. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name. 
filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord of all the earth. We shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with a song. Know that the Lord, He is God. It's He who made us, and we are His, we are His people, the flock of His fold. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, on the earth, all the earth, serve the Lord. What is it that you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. 
he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. There, there are times when, um, when the faith of every Christian will be severely tested. So I was wondering, you know, what's the difference between the person that stands steadfast and the person that falls apart? And in this morning's scripture reading, Jesus tells us in Matthew um, chapter 7, Verse 24 to 27, he says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's all bow our heads as we go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be here gathered before you as one body of Christ, to worship you, our faithful God. Thank you for being with us this past week, watching over our lives and providing for our every need. We're thankful for many prayers that have been answered. Some were yes, others no, and others not yet. May we be patient with the unfolding of your will in us, for your ways are higher than our ways, your will far better than we can ever imagine. As we think about the needs of our world, we recognize that many in our nation do not know you or worship you as the one true living God who made us and gives us the reason to live. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of the blind to see that you are the one that is our only source of hope and joy. May the light of Christ shine in the darkness. May the Holy Spirit draw many into that light, which gives eternal life in Christ. Help us as a church to be your salt and light as we proclaim the gospel in word and deed. Equip us with the gifts and the character to live out the truths of the gospel in all areas of our life. Let Hope Church be a place where all are welcome and that real that the real love of Jesus experienced to the full. And we pray for those that are hurting at this hour, specifically for Bev and Stan Kaltnecker and their daughter Stephanie as they grieve the passing of their son-in-law, Tom. We pray that you will be with them and comfort them as they mourn this sudden death. Um, We pray, Lord, that 
we as a church would support them in whatever way possible. And finally, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to listen to your words. May we take heed and put into practice your clear commands and rest in your promises. We want to be standing when the pressures of life come crashing on us like the wise one who built his house on the bedrock of Christ. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the hardest things to achieve in life is contentment. But as a Christian, we already have everything that we need and want in Christ. And this sets us free to be generous with our time, our energy, and with our money. Uh, This is what uh, our morning offering verse speaks to, uh, says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. If you consider Hope Church to be your home church, uh, your spiritual family, we encourage you to give. And there's three ways to give. You can drop your offering in the box in the foyer. You can uh, send it electronically through bill payment or Zelle. And lastly, you can mail the check to our church. Thank you, Brian. If you're able, please stand with us once again. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Worthy of every breath we could 
dismissed to go downstairs. Good morning. If you have your Bible with you, uh, you can turn to Psalm 112. And um, it's helpful if you have your Bible. I encourage you to bring it because I'm going to be making references sometimes to other passages and you can look to those. And those aren't printed in your bulletin, but the but if you want to follow along, you don't have a Bible. It's also printed in your, in your bulletin, in your order of worship. And uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 112 as we continue our series on the book of Psalms this morning. And um, Psalm 112 is um, kind of a, a, it goes together with Psalm 111. They, they go together. Uh, they have a lot of similarities. They complement one another. They use um, a lot of similar language. A lot of similar words are found in both of them. Uh, they're both uh, acrostic poems, if you know what that is. It's basically every single line in the, in the psalm is start, starts with a different letter of the Hebrew al- alphabet. So you can't see that in English, but if you're reading in Hebrew, you would see it. It starts with successive letters of the alphabet. So both of those psalms do that. Um, and uh, Psalm 111 is about the God of righteousness. Psalm 112 is about the person of righteousness, Psalm 111 ends with the idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Psalm 112, which is we're about to look at, begins by saying, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. So these two psalms go together and complement one another. And, uh, and that, that word blessed, you know, Psalm 112 starts, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. It's also translated happy. So we're going to be thinking about, you know, what makes a life happy? What makes a life of happiness 
this morning. So listen to God's word as I read. I'll start in Psalm, Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we pray that you would help us right now to commit ourselves to building our lives upon your love and your truth and your word. Help us as we think about these words that we pray that your spirit would take the truth of your word and, and would drive it deeply into our hearts, that it would uh, find uh, a place there to grow and flourish. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you ever find yourself reminiscing and thinking about people you knew when you were younger, um, maybe kids that you knew that you grew up with, what, what you remember about them. It's kind of funny about what we remember about other kids that we grew up with or people that we knew when we were younger. Um, I remember when I, when I moved to New Jersey from California, I was eight years old, and my parents found out, I don't know how they found out, but they found out really quickly that there was a, another eight-year-old kid that lived across the street from us, and they thought they were like, perfect, we can get these kids together. Jeff will have a, a friend as school starts immediately, you know. So within a week, I was over at this kid's house, you know, hanging out with him for a play date or whatever. And, uh, and the only thing I remember from that play date is that I, I ended up tied up in his closet, <laughs> and he was threatening me with like a lighter to burn me or something. And I'm sure I remember it, it was more dramatic than I really remember, but, but my escape from the house like rivaled a Mission Impossible movie, you know? I, it, was, uh, it was really dramatic and I got out safely. But I never really hung out with that kid again. Um, but that's all I remember from him. There was another kid that I grew up with that I'll, the only things I really remember that stick out to me about him was that he was a huge Mets fan. You, know, you just always talked about the Mets. Take it easy, Glenn. <laughs> he always talked about the Mets, and, but, but when he wasn't talking about the Mets, he was like obsessed with Hall and Oates, if you guys remember them. And uh, he used to listen to Hall and Oates all the time. Whenever I went to his house, we'd listen to Hall and Oates. And uh, that's all I remember for about, about that guy. There's another kid who, whenever we were standing in line in school together, he, for some reason, he was always standing next to me in line, and he was just poking me constantly. <laughs> that's all he did. He just poked me, poked me, poked me. That's all I remember from him. Uh, do, you, do you ever wonder what people remember about you? when you were a kid? What do you think people think? Uh, what do they remember specifically about you? What are the things that they like? That's all I remember about that kid, you know? Um, I stumbled upon something someone said the other week, and it was something to the effect that, you know, as we think about the questions that we let guide our lives, 
Um, for a lot of us, the questions that we let guide our lives have to do with, you know, what do I want to achieve? What do I want to accomplish? If we're really organized and, and we're planners, we're like, how do I, where do I see myself in five years? You know, what do I want to have accomplished? What, what do I want to have in five years? What do I want, you know? And, uh, and instead, maybe a better question to help us focus ourselves as far as how we're living our lives is how do I want to be remembered? What, what do I want people to think about when they remember me? Um, you know, what do I want people to say about me at my funeral someday? You know, how do I want to be remembered? Might be a good question, better question to start with as far as focusing my life and who I want to be and how I want to live. And um, I think Psalm 112 talks about the life of a righteous person. And um, I think, among other things, what, what it tells us is, is it, it, it tells us about the life that will be remembered. If you look at verse six, it says this, for the righteous, righteous will never be moved, he will be remembered forever, right? It's a psalm about a life that is lived and remembered, that makes an impression on others. And, uh, and so that's what I wanna look at this morning. I think this, this psalm gives us a picture of the sort of life that will be remembered, and also it, it gives us an, an idea of where the power comes from to live that kind of life. So that's what I want to look at, just the, the picture of a life that's remembered and the power for living that life. So first of all, let's look at the picture of a life that will be remembered. I think on, on its most basic level, a life that is remembered resembles God. It looks a lot like God does. When I was a kid, one thing that I remember vividly is that whenever I, I met a person who knew my dad, um, and they met me immediately, their first response to me was like, oh, you look so much like your dad. And I will still get that if I grow a beard, you know? I, I still get that from some of you guys. They're like, you look just like your dad, you know? And uh, as you're reading Psalm 112, if you've been reading through the Psalms, and we didn't read Psalm 111, but I've already made comments about it, it Psalm 111 uses some specific words to describe who God is and the works of God. It talks about God's righteousness enduring forever, which this, verse, this, this um, psalm uses in verse 3 to describe the, the righteousness of the, the righteous man. Righteousness endures forever. And then specifically in verse 4, um, the, the life of the righteous person is described as gracious, merciful, and righteous. And those very same words are used to describe God in, chapter, in, in Psalm 111, okay? So if you're reading through them and you've just read Psalm 111, as you're reading Psalm 112, you should be thinking, oh, you look just like your dad. This looks just like how we described God in 111. And so I think that's, th this is the kind of life that is meaningful and significant, is a life that is, that is lived, that, that copies who God is and his characteristics, a life that is lived with graciousness and mercy. Um, it's interesting, this verse four is, is a really cool verse. It says, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. That, that line in the Hebrew, light dawns in the darkness for the upright, could be translated a few different ways. It's, it's hard to figure out exactly how to translate it. Um, and what is this light that it's talking about? Who's the, who does the light refer to? In the Hebrew, the, the, the word order goes more like, it dawns in the darkness, a light for the upright. Or in other words, he dawns in the darkness, a light for the upright. I think that light is actually referring to the righteous person. That the righteous person, as they live a life that is gracious and merciful, they bring light 
to the darkness of other people's lives. And, and isn't that what God does? I mean, isn't that how God is often described as the light of our salvation in other places in the psalm? Isn't that how Jesus is described, the light of the world, right, who brings light into the darkness of the world, into the darkness of our, our, our dark and hopeless places? And so, and so this is, I think, a life that will be remembered is a life that is, that is committed to, to cultivating uh, grace in the way that we treat other people, kindness in the face of, of people who don't necessarily deserve it or, or have earned it, um, an encouraging word to those who are discouraged, um, just our presence to bring hope to those who are hopeless. The, the sort of life that is remembered is a life that is constantly thinking about how, how can I bring light to the darkness of the people around me in their discouragement and their loneliness and their pain and their desperation and their hopelessness, right? That is the sort of life that's going to be remembered. How, how, as you think about your own life, um, are you aware of those around you and the darkness that they are dealing with? Um, are you thinking about how you can bring you know, your love and kindness into their life to bring support and encouragement and hope um, even as, as you follow Jesus, are you thinking about how you can share the light of Jesus to those who don't know him and who are lost? How you can bring direction to the lives of the people around you with wisdom? Um, how are you doing at bringing light to those who are living in darkness? That's, that's the first thing. I think uh, uh, the life that is remembered, the life that will be remembered, is a life that brings light, a life that is gracious and merciful, to those around us. Um, secondly, uh, the, a, p- a picture of a life that will be remembered is radically generous. It's radically generous. Um, when I read this psalm, I, it's easy to be drawn to verse three. You know, as we think about the person who, who delights in God's commandment and fears the Lord, it, it says, wealth and riches are in his house. That sounds good to me. You know, if, if I will just follow God, then wealth and riches are going to be, you know, bursting out my windows. Is that what this is saying? It's, it's easy to kind of be drawn to that and think that immediately that this is what's teaching what some churches in our, our world teach. It, it's called the prosperity gospel. It's, it's the idea that if we will just trust God enough, then we will have everything we could possibly want. And we will be rich and we will be wealthy. We won't have problems with, uh, with bills or, or financial issues and and we will be healthy and and we won't have any difficulty in life at all but i don't think that's what this psalm is teaching in any way um because i mean as you look at through as you look through the bible when you look at those who are heroes of the bible those who follow god those who trust in god there are some wealthy people but by and large most of the people are actually pretty poor aren't they most of them do struggle in all sorts of ways i mean you look at jesus himself um, I don't know if it, it'd be hard to describe Jesus as a person whose you know, wealth and riches are in his house. He didn't even have a house, right? Um, and so what, what is it saying? I, I think when you look at verse three, you have to look, it, look at it in the context and, and connect it with verses um, five and nine, okay? It talks about this person of righteousness who, who has resources, who has wealth and riches, but what do they do with them? It says, it is well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. He, he's a person who, who has things but gives them away, 
who's very free with giving them away, and who, who even lends their money not to take advantage of people, but to build up the community to help other people. And then in verse 9, it says, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. This is a person who, who, with whatever resources they have, whatever resources God has given them and blessed them with, what they do is they use them to care for other people in the midst of their needs, right? He has given to the poor. They are generous. They are using their things to help others who are in need. And, and you even look at the, the very first half of that verse 9. It says, he has distributed freely. That word distributed um, is, is a word that, that can be used in the context of farming where it's like the idea of sowing seed. He's, he's, he's sowing seed. When, when, um, it's talking about the person who has their resources and is, and is investing them in, the, in the, the things that God wants to do. Investing them in things, in, in the purposes of God, in the kingdom of God, to see how God will grow them and bear fruit through them. And so, the, the life that, that will be remembered, this, this life that's described here, is a, a life that where, where we use whatever God blesses us with, whatever we have, whatever we find ourselves with, instead of clinging to it and clutching onto it for ourselves, we're using it, we're very open-handed, and we use it to, to care for others, to bless other people, and to invest in God's work to invest in God's work. And that, that includes giving to ministries that are, that are doing the work of God. That includes giving to the, to the work of, of, of Hope Church, right? We talk about every Sunday we have an opportunity to give our, our, our gifts and, and, and ties to God. And we remind you, you know, you can give in the foyer, you can give online. I mean, that's, that's not just a, a thing that we're, we're telling you, you know, that, that this is what you're supposed to do as a churchgoer. This is an opportunity to invest, to scatter seed, to see what God will do with it, to see what God will do with it as he uses it to, to care for people, to bring light to those who are in darkness, you know? Um, to, to do that here through this church, but also as a church, we also use that money to support other missionaries throughout the world. Missionaries who are planting a church in London, for example, to those who are South Asian, uh, to, to those who are doing ministry out in, in Egypt to Muslims. Um, to those who are, are, are working with like Campus Crusade, a ministry that, that is, that is uh, working with a, a, a film called the Jesus Film to help people know Jesus and see him more clearly. I mean, that's, that's what we are doing. This is an, an incredibly important thing and a valuable thing to give to the work of God. That's what you're doing when you give. And, and Psalm 112 says, you know, the, the life that will be remembered is a life that, that is like, that's what we're about is giving as much as we can as much as we possible can, as possibly can to the work of God and to help others around us. It's radically generous. Uh, another aspect of the picture of a life that will be remembered is, is that it's unfazed by bad news, and it's really hard to miss this right here, right? If you look at verses six and eight, six through eight, it says, for the righteous will never be moved, for he will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady, he will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. What kind of effect does bad news have on you? Um, I, I think every single one of us is, a, is very well acquainted with bad news on all sorts of levels, right? We live in a world where there is constantly opportunity to hear bad news on a daily basis. There's, there's bad news that we get that, that is on, a, on this big macro level that, that like changes our lives, you know, whether it's a, a health diagnosis that changes the way our life is going to go, or we lose someone that is close to us that we love. Um, 
or maybe we lose a job. You know, things that, that change the trajectory of our lives. We get bad news like that, but then we also have these little tiny pieces of bad news like almost every day of our lives. You know, the bad news that, the, you know, when we walk into the kitchen and the dishwasher has leaked all over the floor, right? Or the car doesn't start when you get into it. You turn the key and it's, you know, just nothing happens. You just hear a little click. Um, or the flight is canceled or it's delayed. Or one of the kids hurts themselves in the backyard and you have to take an unplanned trip to the emergency room. You know, we, get, we, we are bombarded with bad news constantly. And, and the question is, how do you deal with it? How does bad news affect you? And, and for most of us, I think a lot of times, bad news can really derail us. It can really derail us. For a lot of times, you know, I will, I will receive some kind of bad news, even if it's just like small, and it's just going to make my day worse. And what it looks like in my heart, have you ever seen, you know, one of those movies where like aliens invade and, or there's a zombie apocalypse and there's like a town where there's just like people are running every direction and screaming and there's just mass chaos, right? There's like fires burning everywhere and cars are crashing into each other. That's, that's what my heart often looks like when I hear bad news, you know? It's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do, you know? It's hard to think straight. It's hard to focus on anything else other than just self-preservation. That's what bad news often does to us. We just think primarily of how can I take care of myself. But look at the picture of the person who will be remembered. Um, basically, he's not afraid of bad news. It doesn't affect them, right? His heart is firm. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. The bad news does not phase that person. The, the, bad news, like the bad news doesn't keep them from continuing to move forward with life and also not just focus on themselves and it, but still be able to, to think about the people around them and how they can live healthy lives. You know, that, that, that's, that's something that is really unique for a person who, who is just able to be rock solid in the midst of, of bad news, isn't it? Isn't it incredibly unique? It makes an impression on other people. That makes an impression on other people. When you're able to hear bad news and still keep your head and, and not go into a tailspin, not go into a, a, a valley of depression, it makes an impression. And I think it makes an impression because it shows people around you that you are tapped into something that is way bigger, right? That your roots go down into something that is supernatural and big and solid, to someone who is big and solid, right? I mean, that's what verse seven says. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. So a life that will be remembered is a life that is unfazed by bad news. And, and lastly, the last characteristic I think that this psalm highlights of a life that's remembered is, is that it has mighty offspring. It has mighty offspring. Verse two says, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And, and the immediate application is, is if you have children and you are living this kind of life, your children are going to grow up to be strong. They're going to grow up to, to be successful. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, what, is, what does it mean to be successful, first of all? <laughs> um, and our world has an idea of what success looks like. It, it looks like you know, great achievement and have other people like really um, to be impressed with what you've done and have a lot of influence and have a lot of money. But, but really, the idea of success, the idea of mightiness here, might in Psalm 112, is, is basically the life that it's describing here. 
a life that is solid and secure and unfazed by bad news, a life that is having an impact on those around them, bringing light to those around them in the midst of their darkness, a life that is incredibly generous, giving. That's what a life that is mighty looks like. And I think this application has, has way more, it, it goes beyond just your children, you know. It, it, it means everybody that is close to you that you have an impact on, everybody that you are pouring yourself out into, everybody that you're investing into. Those people will be mighty, those people will be strong, those people will be more healthy because you are in their life, because you're having an impact on them. Uh, whenever there's uh, talk about, you know, the greatest of all time in any kind of team sport, whenever you, and people, like, debate about who's the greatest basketball player or who's the greatest football player or soccer player or whatever, you know, there, there's one thing to have, like, this great talent and to be able to score a lot of goals or to score a lot of points or things like that. But, but what it all, always often I hear people, it comes down to is, did that person make his teammates better, right? I mean, the, the, those who are considered the greatest of all time are those who make the people around them better. And, and I think that's what Psalm 112 is pointing us to. The, the, the people that are closest to you, whether it's your children or your brothers and sisters or your parents or the people that work with you, because you are in their life, you make them stronger. You make them more healthy. I think that's the last characteristic of those who, whose life will be remembered. It's, it's a life that, that strengthens the people around them, that helps them to live a more healthy life, a more productive life, and ultimately that helps them to know God better. Um, and so the question is, how do we get there? How do we, if this is the picture of a life that will be remembered, where do we get the power for living that kind of life, for living a life that will be remembered? If you want to be remembered... If you want others to have, have, have had an, you know, been influenced by you for their good, and how, how do you get that? Where does the power come from? And I think it's actually pretty simple. It's, it's right there in the first verse. Where it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to fearing the Lord. The key that unlocks everything else has to do with fearing the Lord, fearing, the Lord, fearing God. What does it mean to fear God? When we hear the, the word fear, most of us think immediately of being scared, of being, being worried about what this person might do to you or what something might do to you, and so we are afraid, right? But that's not what this is talking about when we talk about fearing the Lord. A lot of people say, you know, to fear the Lord is to have awe and reverence for, you, for, for him, and I think that's definitely part of what we're talking about here. But I, I've, I've talked about this already a couple times as we've gone through the Psalms, and I'm going to bring it up again. Um, if you're paying attention, you'll notice that it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, and Lord is what? It's all capitalized there, right? And so that means that this is a translation of the name of God, Yahweh, the personal name of God, the name that God gives to his people that communicates the fact that he is great and awesome and incredibly powerful. He's no one to be messed with. You know, Yahweh is the, the name that is associated with, as, as the people were rescued out of Egypt and they came to Mount Sinai and there was like thunder and lightning that came down on Sinai and everybody's like terrified. That's Yahweh. But also, Yahweh is the name that means that God is committed to his people. 
that he's going to love them no matter what. And they're not going to be able to stop him. That he's going to love them no matter what it costs him. And so when we hear, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, we need to hear that. We need to hear that, that, that I need to, uh, to, to take into account that God is great and mighty and awesome and terrifying, but also that he's incredibly good and loving. And that he's willing to do whatever it costs to love me. And that includes sending his son to live and to die for me. It, it, it so often comes back to that, that idea from the Chronicles of Narnia, right? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, and I've quoted it multiple times. You've probably heard other people quote it multiple times. And that, that story where the kids find themselves in this other world of Narnia that's controlled by the White Witch. And, and they're just trying to get to Aslan. They hear that there's this great King Aslan who's a lion. And he's the only one that can deal with her. He's the only one that can triumph over her. And so they're, 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 they find Mr. and Mrs. Beaver who are taking them to Aslan so that they can be saved. And, uh, and, and Susan, one of, the, one of the, the kids, is like, so he's a lion. Uh, he doesn't sound really very safe. I'm kind of nervous to meet him. And Mr. Beaver's like, of course he's not safe, but he's good. But he's good, Right? So to fear the Lord is to understand that. To understand that God is not safe, but he's incredibly good. He's incredibly good. There's a great quote by Tim Keller about what it means to fear God. I'm just going to read this for you. It says, Obviously, to be in the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of the Lord, even though the Hebrew word has overtones of respect and awe. Fear in the Bible means to be overwhelmed, to be controlled by something. To fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and his love. It means that because of this bright holiness and magnificent love, you find him fearfully beautiful. That is why the more we experience God's grace and forgiveness, the more we experience a trembling awe and wonder before the greatness of all that he is and has done for us. Fearing him means bowing before him out of amazement at his glory and his beauty. This is the secret. This is the secret to living a life that is remembered, that's having a a real impact on the lives around us, that's bringing light to the darkness of those around us. It's It's to be overwhelmed, to be controlled by this incredible love of God. The beauty and glory of the cross of Jesus Christ where God came and he died for me so that I would be forgiven. I mean, that's the key. Actually, understanding how we are forgiven actually produces fear. The Psalms even point to that very truth in Psalm 130, verse 4. Psalm 130, verse 4 says this, with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. He directly links it together right there. When we understand how much we've been forgiven, what God has done to forgive us, that is when we fear him. That is when we are overwhelmed by him and controlled by him. That's when we care more about what he thinks than anything else. We care more about what he says than anything else. 
It's when we're overwhelmed by how great God is that we want to copy him. We want to sketch him with our lives, right? We want to live generously like he has lived generously to love us. It all has to do with the song that we're gonna sing in a few minutes, Amazing Grace. It's grace, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God. It's grace that taught my heart to fear. It's amazing grace. It's understanding the amazing grace of God that transforms us and makes us into a people who are remembered well, who are remembered forever. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to the the greatness of your grace in Jesus. That when we deserved your worst, you've given us yourself and you've sacrificed yourself for us so that we would be forgiven, so that we know, so that we would know that, that we are loved, not because we have earned it, but because you have chosen to pour out your love upon us. Father, we pray that that truth would so overwhelm us that we would live with real, true, deep fear of you, that we would be overwhelmed and controlled by who you are. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an opportunity to meditate on God's forgiveness and his grace as we approach the table, as we approach the Lord's table. We're going to take a moment to confess our sin the reason that God had to send his son to die for us. We'll confess our sin together, and then we'll have a silent time of confession. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come boldly to your throne of grace today, trusting in the gift of Christ's righteousness and owning the depth of our need. It is your provision and not our performance in which we trust. Forgive our failure to love well, for being too busy to engage, too proud to be vulnerable, and too selfish to care. Forgive our failure to seek you, for letting almost anything crowd you out, for ignoring your desire to fellowship with us, and for trying to do life on our own. Have mercy on us, Lord. In Christ's merciful and mighty name we pray. Amen. Father, we now take a moment in the silence to privately confess our sin to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus, for the fact that his sacrifice for us is sufficient. We thank you that we have peace and that we can know that we are loved not because we are lovable, but because Jesus is enough. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death.
It is here we have an opportunity to celebrate that fact. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We do not have to worry about God coming down on us because we have failed. We can live with security. We can live with joy. We can live knowing with confidence that we can approach God and sit with him and know that he delights in us because of what Christ has done. If you're here this morning and you have received the work of Jesus for you, you know that it's because of Christ that you are loved and forgiven by God and not because you have done anything special, not because you're even trying your hardest. Um, It's because of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you know that it's because of Jesus that God has forgiven you and that he loves you, then this meal is for you and I encourage you to take and eat and, and allow yourself to be overwhelmed by his grace. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ and you've never received his promise to love you and trusted in that promise, um, if you haven't surrendered to his love for you and, and given your life to him, then I would encourage you to take this time to, don't, don't partake, but take this time to pray and, and talk to him and ask him to show himself to you. Um, ask him to show you that uh, that he is what you need. Listen to the words of institution from Matthew 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. It's here we have an opportunity to remember what Christ has done for us, that uh, 2,000 years ago, he really did live, and he died, and that accomplished our salvation, his, his death for us, and he rose from the dead, and he's truly alive. It's an opportunity to meet him now by his spirit, to remember that he is present, that his spirit is here, to, to feed our faith, to strengthen us in the midst of our weariness, to remind us to hope in him, in the midst of our hopelessness, to, to remind us to, to take hold of him in the midst of our grief. And it's an opportunity to look forward to when he will wipe our tears away and everything will be made new and we will live with him forever and experience joy like we n- can't even imagine. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would take these elements and that you would use them, that you would use them to encourage us, your people, that you would use them to point us to the reality of your love for us, to the reality of your forgiveness, that, that as we partake, that, that we would be overwhelmed by your grace in a new way this morning, and that you would use your grace to transform us and change us and grow us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The elders could come forward. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I would ask that you would hold on to the elements till everyone's been served and then we'll all partake together.
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand when darkness seems to hide its face i rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. The body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. same way after supper Jesus gave thanks and offered the cup to his disciples and he said drink from it all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins His covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, fall less to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground. Is sinking sand on Christ's solid rock. I stand 
Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Let's pray. Father, your grace is amazing. And we pray, Father, that your spirit would work in our hearts to truly appreciate how amazing it is that your grace would cultivate a deeper fear of you. That we would praise you, that we would live for you, and that others would be blessed. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you able to please stand with us once again? Yeah. 
nothing that we have done to earn your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness, and yet you freely give it over and over again. Let us be changed by that love that you have shown us, and let us show that love to all those we come in contact with. You all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, if you're the only one worthy of it. Amen. And I apologize for the timing of that song. I know it was a little out of whack, but thank you for your grace. Silas. Uh, the prayer team is the Ketchums. They'll be right up here. If you have anything you'd like them to pray for, they would be happy to pray for you after the service is over. So don't um, be shy. Don't hesitate to come up and they'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, with that, here now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go forth, remembering that God's love is real, that you might risk everything for him and for others. Thank you, God. My Jesus.